Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. My name is Spencer Dirks, alongside, as always, my friend, Dr. Bob Leonard. Dr. Bob, good to see you. How you doing? Doing great. Fantastic. Got a new shirt? Yeah, that happens. I tend to get <laughs> new things around the holidays. And it looks birthdays. nice. You look fantastic. Did you get a haircut recently, too? Well, first, saying I look fantastic is going a little bit too far. I don't think it goes far enough, but agree to disagree. I got a haircut uh, today. See? I'm right on top of things. Haven't even seen you for like four weeks, and I'm right on top of it. Here's my plug for Paige, Knoxville Barbershop. That's also where I go. I need to see her myself again pretty soon, in fact. But yeah, Yeah, if you're ever in need of a haircut in Knoxville, Knoxville Barbershop right on Main Street. Yeah, she's fantastic. A lot of stuff to talk about today. Of course, it's been a while since we've been with you. Thanks for tuning in this morning or whenever you might be listening. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. Also, make sure you subscribe to our Substack. We're just Iowa Revolution. We will be in your inbox and in your email if you do decide to describe or subscribe every Wednesday morning. Dr. Bob also has a couple of Substacks. He has Deep Midwest Politics and Culture and also Cedar Creek Nature Notes, which is taking a walk with Dr. Bob in the woods. A lot of stuff to get to today. A couple of legislative issues to start off the show. Of course, since we've been gone, we have started the legislative session in the state of Iowa, which is not too exciting, but a couple of big stories there. Also, you may have heard that the Republicans have decided to kill an immigration bill, mainly due to the urging of presumed Republican nominee for president, former President Donald Trump. We'll discuss that a little bit. South Carolina is the next state on the calendar in the primary process, although it is still fairly far away. I think it's almost a month away, but we'll kind of discuss where things stand in South Carolina. Also, a couple science stories towards the end as we take a wider scope. It's going to be the year of the cicada. And also, we're going to find out why P is yellow. It's a question that has been stumping scientists forever, apparently. I didn't know that. But now we know why your pee is yellow. And we'll close things out, as we always do, with a top five list. This week, it's top five movie villains. It's been a while, but the last time we had a top five list, it was top five TV villains. So this week, we're doing top five movie villains. I think it's a pretty good top five. So we'll start off, this is from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, roughly two-thirds of the nearly 17,000 Iowa students who received taxpayer-funded financial assistance to attend a private K-12 school this year already were attending private school, according to data published this past Friday by the state. The Iowa Department of Education on Friday published the certified K-12 enrollment figures for the 2023-24 school year. With 16,757 scholarships being used, the program will cost the state $127.3 million just in the first year. That exceeds initial projections. The state's nonpartisan legislative services agency had estimated the program would cost the state $107 million in the first year, so an extra $16 million already in year one. The LSA projection suggested the program, which gradually expands eligibility, will cost the state $345 million annually by fiscal year 2027. Well, and people should look around and see all the budget cuts that are going on. That was the first thing I was going to say. We live in the Knoxville area, Marion County, Pella School District going through budget cuts. Knoxville just went through a recent round of budget cuts. They're going to have to cut about double what they've already cut. And that's caused all sorts of rifts and, and issues within the school board. 
so this is just causing all sorts of issues throughout the state. And I, I would wager to say that it's not going to increase student aptitude. In most of the states where they've done this before, students didn't perform any better after they had these voucher programs. Right. And they get to, when they call it school choice, remember, it's the school's choice whether or not they accept your kid if you want them in. Yes. So it's going to be cheap for the private schools to teach all those kids because they don't have to teach special education or have a whole bunch of extracurriculars, et cetera. And then so our public schools are just going to be left with with the quote unquote undesirables. And you know what that's going to do to their scores and everything else to do with whether it's ITBS or grades, et cetera, which is going to make public schools look even worse. Although the private schools are just taking all the students that anybody would want the smartest the most athletic the richest as well yeah no it's just a disaster but you know she keeps spinning it like it's really good but it's not well again two-thirds of the students that are taking advantage of this program were already going to private schools so their parents already had decided that they were going to private schools so this is just extra money in their pocket that you and i and, and most people that are listening to this are paying for we're paying for their trip to Hawaii this this February. Right. And these were people that with already with means getting free checks. Exactly. Yeah. And as we've discussed on the podcast before, a lot of these schools, private schools throughout the state, what did they do? Raise the tuition by 20, 30, yeah. 40, 50% or more. So this program gives you roughly $7,000, $7,500 per student or per child. So that might have been around where the average was for private school tuition when they first passed this bill, but I guarantee that's not what's costing you to go to one of these private schools now. I mean, probably the cheapest, at least in a metro area, would be at least $10,000 per year, per student. Yeah. And so here we've got a new legislative session. They're throwing all kinds of stuff against the wall, seeing what'll stick, you know, just, you know a whole mess of bad legislation that the media can't even hardly keep up Well, let's with. get into that a little bit. I mean, one of the new bills that has been introduced that got a lot of publicity was that they're going to force kids in K through 12 public schools, can't force private schools, by the way, to sing the national anthem. And if they don't, then they would be punished somehow. Yeah. And it's just one verse, you know, most days of the year, but certain holidays, you have to sing all four. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, Forced and so, patriotism. And a song, I mean, I got into a Twitter argument with somebody because they were saying how kids don't care about people hearing them sing. But you've been to an elementary, middle school, high school music program many times and not too long ago. I've been to them as well for our daughter, Skylar. Half the kids are not singing. They're lip syncing or they're just looking around. Like, what is even the point to this? Well, the point of choir is a lot of kids do love to sing. Sure. And they do sing. now. So but, I mean, introducing this bill doesn't make much sense, other than this idea of patriotism. They are introducing the bill, so if Democrats oppose it, they can say, see, we're the real patriots when they're not. They're dismantling America. They're not patriots. Right. They're not at all. And But it's one of these, it's virtue signaling, and that people that aren't paying attention will say, well, why not the... Why not, uh, you know, have them sing? You know, that's patriotic. We need to be good patriotic citizens. But really, it's all a distraction. It's a red herring. And in fact, the people that want you to be 
patriots and sing the national anthem are the ones that don't want your kids to know the context of the national anthem or any other part of our history that isn't whitewashing our history talking you know not talking about they don't want uh controversial subjects being taught they don't want slavery being taught they don't want all kinds of things they don't want they don't want all of the major civil rights equality legislation has been presented by progressives right. of whatever party Pro progressives have drived our nation toward greater equality and uh, you know um, I don't know just our modern used to be more accepting world of the differences among us but it's they don't want that talk they don't want they just want it to act like it's a John Wayne movie right and the white people the white man won yeah and did it all the right fair way exactly that's what they want yep treated women right treated black people right treated the Native Americans right yeah or if it, they you know in their movie in their in their head the movie's running in their head it's like John Wayne thought you know, it's just like, here were all these Indians, and they were trying to keep all the land, and other people wanted it. So, I mean, what was wrong with, you know, colonial movement in the Americas? It's right. just Forcibly just taking it or it. getting them uh, sick through smallpox. Yeah, so, no, they're just, they're creating this, I don't know, totally biased, inaccurate, um, destructive portrayal of American history. But they think it's okay to... to they think all of our problems will be solved if all of us sing the national anthem. Right. And if we lie to kids and don't tell them the whole truth about their own country. Right. Which, of course, they're going to find out anyway because this isn't 1957 where all you learn is from what your teacher or maybe your parents teach you growing up. Right. Everybody has access to the internet, which is why the whole book banning stuff is ridiculous. It doesn't even matter at all. Other than, as you said, trying to call us Democrats groomers or pedos or whatever if we just say that you should be banning books in schools yeah so they make these outra outrageous accusations and right. then they want everybody to be afraid to be afraid of teachers be so that they can drive everybody to um, private schools being afraid of minorities so that so that it you know reinforces prejudice and bias you know be afraid of trans people you know be they what they want to do, and I was reading, I forget the author the other day, is what they want to do is hurt people. Look at all the things that they're doing to hurt people. And it's not doing anything. They're, they're isolating people and portraying them as evil and try to hurt them. The article, the author of the article, I forget where I read it. But, you know, they said, well, Trump is trying to hurt and Democrat or, and Republicans. Trump is trying to hurt as many people as as he can, because that's what his base wants. I don't think his base really wants that. But I think the right wing media has drummed up so much hate that they think, oh, well, you know, all of these people are problems. And so, you know. They just believe it. I don't think that they all hate them. They're open to hate. Yeah. Or to at least blame somebody else yeah. for issues that they might feel themselves are going through. Right. Whether it's unemployment, drug abuse, not being able to support your family, 
those are all easily blamed on immigrants when the people we should really be blaming are the large corporations and the government itself for not raising the minimum wage. Yeah, well, I mean, there's all kinds of things that we could do economically to make things better. And, you know, it's just Republicans don't want it to happen. They want to make, they want to be cruel. I mean, let's just take one example, them not getting, uh, Governor Reynolds not allowing the federal funding to feed hungry kids in the summer. Right. It's just and not paying for Plan B for rape survivors. Yeah. Those are just two examples that are awful. Yeah. So how do you feel about the death penalty before I even bring up this story? I, uh, I feel the same way, by the way. I'm yeah. a little conflicted. It is sort of a case-by-case basis right. for me. But in a perfect world, I mean, if I was king for a day, I would probably say let's just abolish the death penalty. I would too. I mean... You know, hearing my better angels, that's, that in a perfect world, that's how I would approach things. In a lot of ways, too, I think the death penalty lets the perpetrator off easy. I would much rather, I mean, I would much rather just die right away than spend 50 years in prison or 70 or 80 years in prison. I just, yeah, I just think I can't be forth. There's so many things that go into people harming each other. I know that there are evil people out there, but... I think there's other ways to handle it. I don't think that it's, I think that it's, I just don't think that the state should be killing people unless, you know, like it's in war and we have to defend ourselves. But I don't know. But see, what's happening, what's the more, you and I can have a discussion about it, but we're not legislators. And some of the stuff that's coming out is just pure wackiness that you're seeing there. I follow these young Republicans of, of, of New York and they were, they were just gleeful that, uh, what was that, Alabama or Mississippi executed a guy the other day with a new way of with, execution. With nitrous oxide. Yeah, nitrous oxide. They, they, and this was Which has never been first. done before, at least on a human. So, I mean, it basically was human experimentation. I told Skylar, my stepdaughter, about this, and she's like, they're going to turn this guy into Bane. <laughs> the the yeah. Batman villain, because they had already tried to kill him once unsuccessfully yeah. through, I think, just the typical cocktail of drugs. But, oh, that didn't work, so now let's try this thing that we've never tried before. And it did work, but they also didn't even know if he would feel pain or not. Yeah. Did not know. They yeah. thought he would be, you know, go under and fall asleep before anything really happened, but they didn't know that for sure. Well, and what this young Republican club out of New York proposed that uh, well, the nitrous oxide was you know, relatively cheap, but we could do it cheaper yeah. with a bullet. Yeah. And, then, and then bill the family of the, of the dead guy for the bullet. Right. That's what they want. They're so gleeful about it. Yeah. The cruelty is the point. Well, the reason I bring it up is because Iowa Republican lawmakers advanced a bill on Monday, this is from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, that would reinstate the death penalty for individuals who murder a peace officer in the state. A three-member subcommittee voted two to nothing to advance Senate Bill 3085 with a proposed amendment for consideration by the full Senate Judiciary Committee. As written, the bill would make anyone convicted of first-degree murder eligible for the death penalty, but lawmakers said they would amend it to pertain only to someone who murders a law enforcement officer. 
For the death penalty to be considered, the person must be 18 years or older and have knowledge that the victim was a police officer. The act must be intentional. The offender must be a major participant in the commission of the crime, and they must not be mentally ill or intellectually disabled. A jury or judge would need to find the defendant guilty and then decide in a separate proceeding whether the death penalty should apply. It also would require the Iowa Supreme Court to automatically review all death penalty sentences to examine whether the sentence is excessive or disproportionate to penalties in similar cases, and capital punishment was abolished in Iowa long time ago, 1965. Yeah, for good reason. And, and plus, look at all of the death row cases that they found out was, you know, the people were found guilty based on flawed evidence. Right, many evidence. cases have been many. overturned. Yeah, so and that was what that was what I was going to bring up as well in this conversation that we've already, I guess, dodged a bullet. Maybe a bad metaphor, but all these people that have been let off on death row, we have not yet proven that we've killed somebody wrongfully. But you'd imagine that we probably have. Don't you think? Well, of course, nobody's looked into that. Exactly. Because if they're dead, nobody's going to... Right, I mean, it's not like you... I mean, how how do you make amends to that situation? So, yeah, there's probably not as much studying going on with that. But that is the number one thing when I think of, okay, should the state be in the business of killing people? Well, they're not perfect (laughs) at anything. So why would they be perfect at the death penalty? Yeah. I don't know. I think that would be a stain on Iowa, but, I mean... That's the direction they're going. And plus, we're talking about the death penalty when there's other things yeah. that can impact us more. Exactly. So it's another distraction. They're, they're just flooding the zone with crap. Right. And who knows? I mean, again, these have just been introduced and they're in committee. So we'll see what happens with that. One thing that I didn't have on the agenda was just because we're kind of in flux with what exactly is going on with the AEA situation. Governor Reynolds floated the idea of basically cutting AEAs except for special education. Now she's saying schools can opt in. We're not going to drop them. But we're not going to offer as many services, but we are going to offer more services than just special education. So again, as that kind of unfolds, we'll probably discuss that a little bit more if there is some sort of resolution. So you're probably going to hear a lot of things that are crazy here within this first two or three weeks. And we'll see once they actually get to the committees and then the full House and Senate, what actually kind of gets to that finish line. Yeah. Well, the AEA's, her current proposal isn't, it's a little better, but... Um, it's still doing everything she can to move uh, public monies into private hands. And plus, right. everything has to be approved by her education director. Well, on this and, bill, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was written by people in like Virginia and yeah. Florida or Virginia and Tennessee. I mean, certainly out-of-state interests wrote this bill. Right, and they're so, writing it for all kinds of other people, just like her school voucher bill. Yeah. Somebody's pulling the strings of Republican governors all across the nation. Right. And they're doing their bidding. As long as they keep sending those checks to get them reelected, they'll do whatever they want. And the big consultancy afterwards, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're getting the checks. Uh, let's get into some cock talk. This is from the Huffington Post. I mentioned to you before we got on the air, before we started to uh, record this podcast, that I am a little saddened, a little sickened, very saddened, very sickened, that we do have to talk about Donald Trump. I just wish he was gone. I wish he would die, to be quite honest. I don't hope that he is killed. I'm not 
asking for the Secret Service <laughs> to come knocking at my door, but I think it would do a lot of people a lot of good if you would just pass away peacefully. It's nice as I can say it. But immigration is a big issue. Every time we have an election, it's a big issue. Donald Trump has forced the Senate Republicans to vote no on this immigration bill. It's a bipartisan bill. A lot of stuff that both sides want. The Democrats are, I think, doing the right thing by admitting that, yes, there is an issue and we need to do something about it. And Donald Trump apparently called around, actually personally called around to staffers and Senate members and said, no, do not pass this bill. I can't let Joe Biden have a win. Yeah. And they're doing his will. And they are they are following his lead. So whenever a Republican tells you they want the border problem solved, we could have done made great strides toward that. But Republicans want this to be a continuing you know, problem so they can use it in an election. And notice that nothing really happened on the border when Trump was here. Republicans yeah. and Democrats got together to try to introduce um, bipartisan um, immigration reform. Right. And he vetoed it. Yeah. And so now, so he didn't do anything, but now they're acting like there weren't any problems at the border when he was president. I was just thinking about that this morning when I was putting this together. So it's like, lying. how good did he do? He built, what, 20 miles of the border fence or whatever it was, if that. Most of it was just repairing old fence. And yeah, was there any legislation that passed that improved the situation at all? No. No, and Mexico didn't pay for it. No. He's just, he's such a phony, such a fake, and people just are caught up in it, and it's just sad. It really is. And especially the fact that he still has such a hold over the Republican Party when, by the way, since they elected him president, they've been nothing, they've done nothing but lose. They've lost the midterms. They've lost the presidency, obviously, in 2020. Joe Biden did as well as any incumbent president did on these past midterms. For any sitting president to do that well was unprecedented, at least in modern times. And a lot of it is because people don't like Donald Trump. There's a lot, a lot more people that don't like him than do. That's why I'm still pretty optimistic that Joe Biden will win the, the election if he is going up against Donald Trump. I would be a lot more nervous if Nikki Haley had the nomination, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, and so it's just crazy to me that they can decide that Republicans can go with a big loser, right. Donald Trump, or somebody that could win. That's Nikki why Haley. it's so weird. He's just got them by the balls. And nobody wants to to piss him off, I guess, because they're, I, we used to say because of a mean tweet, but now who cares about a truth social post? Nobody's going to read that crap anyway, except for all of his cult followers. So that's my point. Why are they still even after all of these losses, him not actually getting them anything, why are they still even picking up the phone when he calls? I would understand it a little bit, people that are so, um, oh, I don't know, so interested in maintaining the old-fashioned Republican brand, like a lot of my friends here. Yeah. They just have always been Republican. It's hard for them to shift. But if the congressional leadership and everybody shifted to Nikki Haley, and why don't they shift to Nikki Haley? It's just like... I don't get it. It, it doesn't make any sense. And you are hearing a lot of stories about still very big donors that are 
certainly dissatisfied with Donald Trump, don't want him to be president, want him to be gone forever, they're still going to be supporting Nikki Haley for a while. A lot of people thought she might drop out right after the New Hampshire primary if she didn't stay within five, six percentage points, which she did not. But why would she drop out before South Carolina? And at this point, why would she drop out before Super Tuesday? Because I guarantee she's still going to get pretty big checks from a lot of people that say, you are our last hope, Nikki. If you can pick up some of these delegates here and there and we wait out and see what happens with Trump's legal cases, maybe they're going to need a last woman standing. Well, of course they are, because clearly he's suffering from some form of dementia. Right. I mean, he probably always was, but now it's just gotten worse and worse. He could have an aneurysm tomorrow. Even Fox News, by the way, is bringing up that he may have some cognitive issues. Yeah, so she needs to stay until the very end. I agree. Hopefully she does. Hopefully she has the money. And like I said, I think there is enough Republican donors that don't like Trump that will make sure that she stays in the race. Yeah, but I mean, this is from a Republican perspective that she should stay in. I, you know, as a Democrat, go home, Nikki. Yeah, exactly. Because she would have, I think, a much, much better chance at winning a general election than Donald Trump. Yeah, that was us being objective. Yes. About... Yeah, anytime we say something nice, well, I shouldn't say anytime, but most of the time when we say something nice about the Republicans or hopeful about the Republicans, it's putting our crazy hat on and trying to think like a Republican. Yeah. By the way, South Carolina, I mentioned, is the next primary on the calendar. Trump still has a huge lead over Nikki Haley. According to 538.com, in the latest South Carolina average of polls, Trump holds a 64% to 31% lead over Nikki Haley. So she is getting crushed in her home state, which is very surprising to me. And what a pathetic creature Tim Scott turned out. Oh, I know. Yeah, he comes out and and endorses Donald Trump. And and Nikki Haley appointed him to the Senate. Right. No courage, no loyalty. He's, He's turning into Mike Pence. He really is. Maybe he is hoping to get that vice president spot. Yeah, he does. He's already obsequious, pathetic, Christian in air quotes. Right. Oh, he's merging. He's, we're going in another, yeah, he's, I don't know. It's like we're seeing it all over again. I had, I had Trump just, just slowly but surely taking the spine out of Tim Scott. Yeah, that's a good way to let him it. Let him slither and do all of Trump's bidding. Yeah, and then, he, you know, he pulled Trump up, or he pulled Scott up on the stage and said, wow, you must really hate Nikki Haley. She appointed you to the Senate, and he was on the spot. And he said, no, it's just because I love you. Yeah, that's disgusting. Bromance, the yeah. bromances. Like, bromances. And the thing is, like, Donald Trump cares at all. He was saying that, by the way, to make fun of yeah. Tim Scott. Yeah. There's a lot better people to have bromances with than Donald well, Trump. Well, and I don't know how much a Tim Scott endorsement really means anyway. Just like Vivek Ramaswamy came out immediately, of course, and endorsed Trump. But it's not, I mean, we all knew that all of Vivek's voters would vote for Trump anyway. Have you heard the latest about Vivek? I'm not sure. But well, he said that the, uh, oh, that the uh, Super Bowl will be rigged for the Chiefs because uh, Taylor Swift is Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's boyfriend or girlfriend. And that uh, so then after they win the Super Bowl, then Taylor Swift and Kelsey can um, 
endorse Biden. So he said it's being if, o- if only the Democrats were that good. Yeah. You think that we're that good? We lost to Donald Trump in an election, for God's sakes. I don't think we're good enough to rig something like that. But it is kind of cool to see Kelsey after Aaron Rodgers called him Mr. Pfizer. It's like, okay, Rodgers got hurt two snaps into this season, and you're gone. You're out. Your Achilles is absolutely snapped. And now Mr. Pfizer in this, is in the Super Bowl once again with the most famous girlfriend in the entire world. Yeah. Like, I, I would it's much fantastic. rather be Mr. Pfizer than Aaron Rodgers at yeah. this point. So. Well, it's, it's fascinating that... Um, that conservatives think Taylor Swift has so much power. I mean, didn't they have like a couple game loss in the middle of the season? They blamed Taylor Swift. Right, yeah, she was a distraction. Yeah, they were having a a little bit of a rough time, at least for the Chiefs' perspective, yeah. Yeah, but now she was powerful enough to get them into the Super Bowl. Right. So she's powerful enough to bring them down and bring them up. She was the one that told Dan Campbell not to kick the field goal and tie the game, go for it on fourth down, and that's what, yeah. She's... Very, very powerful, Dr. Bob. And she's just using her mind. By the way, she's going to be performing in Tokyo while the Super Bowl is going on. I think seven, like a whole week, she's going to be performing at the Tokyo Dome. Sold out shows, of course. And she's going to be flying back on a private jet, of course, uh, to see the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. And then fly back to Japan to uh, continue her sold out tour. Good for her. I love it. Yeah, I do too. Wasn't quite exactly happy that the Chiefs were back in the Super Bowl because we've seen them enough. But, yeah, I'm okay with seeing Taylor Swift for another couple weeks. Yeah. It's the other thing, too, I don't understand. It's like, are all these Republicans online pissed off because they're, like, closet homosexuals? Like, who doesn't want to see Taylor Swift? I don't know. I think a lot (laughs) of people of all sexual persuasions want to see Taylor Swift. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, I digress. Let's get into some science news, taking a wider scope here, closing out the podcast. Again, this is the Iowa Revolution podcast. My name is Spencer. His name is Dr. Bob. This is from NBC News. And I heard a little bit about this, but I wanted to do a little bit more research this morning. It's official. 2024 belongs to the cicadas. This spring, two different broods of cicadas, one that lives on a 13-year cycle and the other that lives on a 17-year cycle, will emerge at the same time from underground in a rare synchronized event that last occurred in 1803. Billions of the winged insects will make an appearance across the Midwest and the Southeast, beginning in some places in late April for a raucous mating ritual that tends to inspire fascination and annoyance in equal measure. This year's dual emergence is a -a once-in-a-lifetime event, while any given 13-year brood and 17-year brood can occasionally emerge at the same time, Each specific pair will see their cycles aligned only once every 221 years. What's more, this year's cicada groups, known as Brood 13 and Brood 19, happen to make their homes adjacent to one another with a narrow overlap in central Illinois. So Springfield, Illinois is going to be cicada central. Field trip. Doesn't that sound fun? I love cicadas. I love the sound of cicadas. interesting. Do you know they actually make four different sounds? No. Yeah, it's the males making the sounds, trying to attract the females. Right. They've got this membrane on their abdomen, not like uh, crickets rubbing their legs. They have a membrane on their abdomen that makes, I think it's called a timbal, and it makes a sound, and it makes several sounds, and let me see if I can remember, it makes a mating sound. Okay. Uh, It also makes a distress sound. Sure. 
Okay. So if there's a predator around or something. It also makes a, a, a sound, a declaration of joy. <laughs> that when the female agrees to mate, yeah. then they've got a fourth call. So that, that one is like, yippee! Yes, like okay. yippee. And the other, the fourth call is like, let us alone. Really? Yeah. So well, that they're signaling all that. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I've always enjoyed uh, listening to cicadas. And, and the hotter it gets, the louder the timbre goes, the louder the calls are. Yeah, it probably kind of dries things out a little bit and makes it, yeah, a little bit more friction in there. Yeah, and that's why, you know, before air conditioning, like when I was a kid, we didn't have it. All the hottest nights, the crickets right. would be yeah. there trying to keep you, you were trying to go to sleep. <laughs> right. And the crickets and the heat all together just exacerbated. And what do you know about, I saw recently that uh, the fact that they come out in prime years, so 13 is a prime mm-hmm. number, 17 is a prime number, is a big defense against predators. Because predator, it throws off the predators somehow of, of coming out and resurging every, you know, 13 or 17 years or 19 or whatever. You know, different broods have a different gestation period or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, there's a, oh, oscillations and cycles and oh, um, all kinds of animals with respect to birth rates, death rates, and you're always right. trying to keep ahead of the predators. Yeah. And that's why there'll always be so like I read a study about hares in Canada that the hare abundance would would increase and so then the fox and other predators would increase and then and then the hares would the population numbers would fall off due to overpredation and then the then all the foxes and other predators would taper off they would die too right because because eventually there wasn't enough hairs right right and so there's this cycle where you're always trying to keep ahead of your predators and this cycle seems to work very well i mean because you can't ramp up your population numbers if you're a bird or some other kind of predator on cicadas instantaneously right and so that long cycle you know makes it so there's never enough i mean and so then the and then what's going to happen is it's, I don't know if it's going to impact the bird population or not, but if they, if whatever evolutionary forces come to bear to have them increase their reproduction the next year, that food supply isn't going to be there. Right. Might screw over a lot yeah. of young birds. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Even more interesting, let's find out why pea is yellow, shall we? This is from Live Science. We're told to watch out for color changes in our pea as the loss of its normal yellowish hue could be a sign of a medical problem. But what actually makes urine yellow in the first place? Turns out, scientists didn't know the exact answer to this question until recently. Now researchers have discovered that pea's golden color is caused by an enzyme called bilirubin reductase, which is produced by bacteria in the gut. The scientists reported their findings in a new study. It was published on January 3rd in the journal Nature Microbiology. Scientists previously knew that urine's yellow color stems from how the body disposes of old blood cells. When red blood cells reach the end of their life cycle, usually around 120 days, they are degraded in the liver. One of the byproducts of this process is a bright orange substance called bilirubin, which is secreted from the liver into the gut. Bacteria within the gut convert bilirubin into a colorless substance called urobilinogen. This substance then degrades into urobilin, a yellow pigment that gives urine its color. Also uh, makes babies jaundiced. Oh, that same yeah. enzyme? Bilirubin. 
Oh, actually, adults can get jaundice too. But yeah. one of the kids had jaundice, and and uh, I actually think it's an adaptation. You know, that's there's a reason for it, and I don't know what the adaptation is, but a certain proportion of them of, of kids have it. But uh, I think it has something to do with uh, some resistance to bacteria. I forget. I've researched it years ago when one of the kids have it. But, you know, all we had to do is, you know, try to get them out in the sunlight a little bit more. And right. it was dealt with very quickly. But, you know, it sounds bad. Jaundice, if you, if you see an adult with jaundice, you have something to worry about. Right. But babies, I just think it's, you know, a certain proportion of them get it. And it's yeah. that belly rubin. Right. Well, good to know. Yeah, just kind of perusing the internet this morning, and I was like, "How can I not click on why is your pee yellow?" And now I know. I would have, to, I would have read it, but then I wouldn't have made it a topic of discussion. Well, I think pee is a good topic of discussion. Everybody does it. All right, I know, but in private. Well, next time I'm going to bring up poop. Then we'll discuss <laughs> poo on the next episode. Well, you're the boss. We'll discuss what you want. <laughs> uh, I am the boss, so let's go ahead and get into my top five, shall okay. we? Unless there's anything you want to discuss. No, I think we've covered a lot. We have covered a lot, actually. We had a lot to discuss. So this is top five movie villains. I mentioned right off the top, I did top five TV villains in the last episode. So this is top five movie villains. Number five is Kaiser Soze, played by Kevin Spacey. You ever see The Usual Suspects? No. Fantastic movie. I hear Big twist. And by the way, if that's a big spoiler alert. If you've not seen The Usual Suspects, just forget that I just said Kaiser Soze. Played it seems by Kevin like I Spacey. had to have seen it, I just don't remember. And I've always liked Kevin Spacey's acting. Yeah, definitely have to separate the art from the artist on yeah. Kevin Spacey, especially with recent news about him. Yeah. It's always tough, you know, whenever you have... Because Kevin Spacey was a lot of people's favorite actor. Yeah. And he was one of the best actors in the world. And then, yeah... Anyway, number four is Hans Gruber. We've discussed Die Hard quite a bit yes. lately in the Iowa Revolution podcast. The great Alan Rickman, R.I.P., played Hans Gruber in the first Die Hard movie and is one of the, I think, one of the best villains of all time. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> He's fun, funny, deliciously evil. Yeah. He always plays a deliciously evil person. Yeah. Uh, Snape, Professor Snape from the Harry Potter movies. He was one of those yeah. characters that you love to hate you know but there was a quality to him that was richer than just the hate exactly and then at the end you kind of find out that he was really protecting harry this whole time and that he was you know in love with harry's mother and that there's more to the story than what we were originally told so he does have that even before you know about the sympathetic things he is a sympathetic character you do sort of feel sorry for him yeah you wonder what the true motivations are he seems like Somebody that could have been on the good th- side of things, but then is somehow, I mean, like he seems principled, but we don't understand where those principles are coming from. Right. But then. Absolutely. I mean, he certainly is a, a very studious teacher. He's, yeah, he's a very serious man that wants to do things by the book, but not always, you know? Not by our book. Right. Uh, by the way, that'd be a good top five i mean professor snape would be a pretty good i mean or voldemort would also be probably even better for a top five villain but he did not make the list uh number three is anton chigurh you ever see no country for old men played by javier bardem yes i have he was and it's scarier in the book oh i bet yeah the book is 
Yeah, Cormac McCarthy is fantastic. I've never actually, I've read a couple Cormac McCarthy books, but I've not read No Country for Old Men. I should, though, because yeah, I bet you good. it would be very, very good. And I do like his writing. It's just very bare yeah. bones and um, very realistic and gritty. Uh, so, yeah, Anton Chigurh is number three. Number two is Darth Vader. And Darth Vader, he's bad guy. Yes. Galactically speaking. Correct. One of the biggest baddies of all time. Uh, and number one is the Joker. Specifically, I have Heath Ledger's Joker. But the Joker in general, I think, is just a great villain. Yeah, he's good. Except for Jared Leto's Joker. That was kind of a joke. It's kind of No creepy. pun intended. Or maybe a pun intended. Yeah. No. I don't know if I put the Joker number one. Who would you have as number one? Thanos. That's a good one. You know what another good one was? Also comic book is Magneto. He's Magneto. another guy where it's like it's sort of sympathetic, Quick, yeah. but he's also evil. <laughs> like he doesn't do good things, but you kind of sympathize with him because he has a reason for... Yeah. Hating humans because humans killed his parents and made him into who he was. And so, yeah, it's really like he's fighting on the side of the mutants. Yeah. Just protecting them. You know, he's like the king of the mutants. So, so powerful. Well, and then how about, uh, who was I just thinking of? Hannibal Lecter. That's a good one, too. Yeah. That is good. I'm sure he's probably brains. in a lot of yeah. top five movie villains. And book villains, for that matter, too. I mean, just historical villains. Yeah. He's a nasty guy. <laughs> there, there's a lot of good villains. There really there. is. Yeah. Yeah. If you think of any, by the way, let us know on Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it. I call it Twitter, at Iowa Revolution. If we missed a villain that you think should be on there, let us know who you think should be in the top five. Donald Trump was in a movie once, so he's the top There you go. Villain. Yeah. He was in Home Alone 2. Yep. He's... By far. He's worse than Thanos. Probably. Thanos didn't destroy America. <laughs> no, he killed half of the people in America. But Trump probably would do the same thing if he had the power to. Yeah. Probably even more than half. Yeah. Anything that we're missing? By the way, next week, top five. Uh, well, let's have you pick. We haven't had you pick the oh, top my. five in a while. You don't even have to tell me now. But sometime between now and next week, tell me, hey, I want a top five on this. Fair enough? Yeah, my top fives will be duller than yours. yours well, maybe we can team up on one then. All right. We can discuss next week. and. I think I put top five books, and I don't think that drew a lot of interest. I love books. Yeah, I know, but it's the, like not thinking about... Thinking about that is fun, but not the top... I mean, it's not as fun as top five movie villains. Right. Well, and I think that's just also... It's just such a broad subject that you could say, I mean any book or like to do to say your top five movies that's just so hard to narrow down five movies not that narrowing it down is you know not that having a hard top five is bad i mean i think that's also pretty good because a lot of people it's always nice when people disagree with your top five list that makes it a lot more interesting that's why i told uh, my co-worker clayton that i should put jared leto's joker as the number one so then maybe we would go viral for having the worst top five list of all time. There you know, be. having people disagree is not the worst thing in the world. All right. I've got two. Okay. First is um, worst professional athletes. Worst people that are professional athletes. Okay. You know, like... So O.J. Simpson? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. And then make the best humans. 
that are athletes. Roberto Clemente. Top five worst and best people who are also professional athletes. Yeah, or were. Okay. I think we should do both next time. Top five worst and best. Aaron Rodgers worst. Robert Clemente. He's just completely fallen off the deep end. I mean, as a Packers fan, I was, of course, a big fan of Aaron Rodgers for a long, long time. But then even towards the end there, especially lying about being vaccinated, saying you were immunized and lying to your, not only the public, that's one thing, but you're also lying to all of your teammates. That was kind of the first straw. And then he's just gotten crazier and crazier and crazier since then. It's probably all that Invermectin he's been. Probably is just a bunch of holes in that brain now. Certainly got a whole lot of holes in that Achilles, too. Uh, Anything else, Dr. Bob? No. I'm just glad we're back. I was going to say, very glad to see you again. I can't wait for next week. And we will be here, like I said, every Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe to our Substack, Iowa Revolution. You'll get this podcast right into your email inbox every Wednesday morning, bright and early. And again, a reminder, make sure you subscribe to Dr. Bob Substacks as well. He's got deep Midwest politics and culture, as well as Cedar Creek nature notes. So Dr. Bob, it's good to see you again. We'll see you again here real soon. Looking forward to it.